My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. So we're talking about becoming conscious of our behavior, thoughts and feelings in the moment without judgment opens the door to understanding the struggle with food and weight. And that how do we do that? How do we become conscious? And what does it feel like to become conscious of your eating patterns or to become conscious of your body sensations or your emotions or your diet mentality? And how do we do that without just going into panic and pain? And what are the other ways that we can go unconscious when we're not wanting to feel and not wanting to deal with the struggle of food and weight? Um, How do we become conscious when we know or it shows up that our critical voice becomes even more intense at that time? And how do we do this without judgment? So for me, it was easy to go into denial and, and, and just say that everything is fine, this is the way it is, and I just have to be thinner, or I just have to not eat so much, or I just have to go back to school, or I just have to get a new boyfriend, or whatever. But what was really necessary for, was for me to go into these feelings of why am I having this thought or this feeling or this behavior in the very moment that I was having them without any sort of judgment and ask myself the question, what is really going on with me? And that would bring me to the struggle. Why was I having a struggle with food and weight? So today we have Helen with us, and I'm going to let her introduce herself, and then we'll just have a little chat about this whole becoming conscious of our behavior, thoughts, and feelings. Hello, uh, my name's Helen Seamus, and I'm a licensed marriage family therapist, and I worked at Beyond Hunger for seven, I think nearly eight years. Yes. Uh, And I was clinical director for several of those years. And I worked with Laura Lee for a while running groups. And that was really um, just a wonderful experience. I feel like I gained a lot. And um, I learned a lot from Laura Lee and Carol and Meg and all the clients. And um, it just deepened my understanding further of living with an eating disorder and or body dysmorphia. And um, I feel like it was a real gift. I'm really grateful for that time in my life. Um, Currently, I have a private practice in the city and in Marin. And I also work with people um, with grief and loss who have experienced grief and loss and families uh, whose children learn differently, so kids with special needs and their families. Um, And I'm here today 
to talk about becoming conscious of our behavior and learning how to create and foster and support a uh, non-judgmental observer. So in other words, uh, I do feel like it's really important in terms of recovery to um, grow within yourself and practice a compassionate voice, an inner compassionate voice. And part of that is becoming a non-judgmental observer. So what that looks like for me means that when I feel like I'm practicing a behavior that is not helpful or a client is practicing a behavior that they'd like to change, I um, encourage myself and or the client or whoever we're working with to take a moment to kind of slow everything down, try to kind of increase their compassion for whatever's happening. So it may be eating food they're not hungry for. It may be staying up too late and not resting. It may be continuing to engage in a relationship that's not helpful or that's unkind or staying at a job that is, um, that is harmful. Um, so for me, when I think of a non-judgmental observer, I also think about how I have to make a leap of faith and trust myself that I deserve to be treated kindly, to be treated with respect, that I don't need to be punished for everything I do or don't do correct, quote unquote. Um, because of course that idea of doing something correctly is a judgment within itself. So it's it's not an easy leap of faith. And so I often like talk about that in that forum, like a leap of faith or becoming, Laura Lee and I talk about this, becoming your own best friend. It kind of takes that piece um, and it's an important piece given that um, being your own best friend helps you treat yourself as a priority, as you're a worthy human being. Um, it also um, creates the idea and supports the idea that you do things for a reason. Um, and another thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about this topic is that for me, and uh, the families and people that I work with, um, I take some time to talk about and re-talk about um, our culture and how it sells us kind of like an untruth or a lie. Like it, it, our culture, the advertising that we live with, et cetera, day to day, we um, are encouraged to believe that our bodies the way they are are not okay and that we should be thinner or younger or blonder or lighter <laughs> or different. Like we're always encouraged to be different. And what I remember saying with Laura Lee is that we're, even in our commercials, we're never encouraged just to sit and relax and accept how we are. We're always encouraged to change. Right. So there's no money to be made if people are just okay with how they are. And we live in that kind of society where people are going to make money on our fears of ourselves, of course. And I think it's not not that we're not saying to go ahead and 
buy makeup or have fashion or have cool hair products or whatever, but that we know that we're a good person whether we do those things or not. And we're doing those things as a creative outlet in a way. Um, What do you think about, so what I've noticed for myself when I was struggling with my eating disorder and trying to recover, that the more sort of like the better I got at sort of loving myself, the more a critical voice would come in. So sort of like, what do you think about that? Like if that, you know, do you have clients that they're going along and doing okay and accepting themselves and maybe even loving themselves a little bit more every day? And then this critical part of them just comes in and blows that that up. Absolutely. Like, I think that's really relevant and important to talk about. And um, there's a couple different parts of it for me. Yeah. Um, for me, that I see that in my own life and my own recovery is that sometimes um, the piece of me that's familiar or more comfortable, most comfortable with the eating disorder will be pretty tri- tricky and, like, can easily sort of corner myself into believing unkind things about myself or um, is really comfortable not eating enough or is really comfortable pushing, push, 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 push. And so I have to remind myself and or my clients um, and or the people that I love, you know, it's kind of life Mm -hmm. work that that. I deserve to be a priority or my patient deserves to be a priority Um, and that our humanness is normal, it's natural, it's okay. And changing deep change, like deep changes that we make within ourselves are hard and take time and we're kind of hardwired for a long time in that behavior that's not helpful so changing it doesn't uh, it doesn't happen automatically and it's not going to be perfect yeah right totally and it feels almost uh too vulnerable in a way to be accepting of ourselves like what will people think if we do that does that mean that we're you know narcissists or does that mean that we're all stuck up or what does that mean but it doesn't But that's such a black or white way of looking at it, that we can actually love ourselves and love other people, too. (laughs) I mean, it's not either or, you know. Absolutely. Um, I feel like right now, um, and maybe due to, I don't know where I am in my life developmentally, but in my work, I feel like I'm doing a lot of... um, I think it's happening both in my work and in my life that I'm doing a lot of um, kind of clarifying or pointing out that there's so much duality in our life. Like we can be mad and sad that our eating disorder doesn't work anymore. And we can be like excited and grateful and joyous that we let ourselves wear the clothes that we want to or that – um, our bodies work just the way they are. And we can also have a feeling of like, I wish I was really teeny weeny. And then also at the same time feel like, oh, I'm so glad that I'm not. So. Yeah. And how do we sort of become conscious of that 
and then not even have any judgment of that. Like, well, I think there's a part of us that needs to sort of accept just about everything that happens, <laughs> right? Yeah, like and, like this is it. This yeah. is yeah. This I is, had that thought. Now I have this thought. Then I have that thought. It's okay. And um, what I think about when when we really kind of get to the core of being non judgmental is that it profoundly and deeply touches the piece of us that wants control, that believes we can have right. control, the fantasy of control, right? and being with that. And it, it can be kind of like a, what's the word? It can be kind of a jokey, like fun, humorous moment with yourself or with a client or with a friend or a loved one is like, wow, I don't like that I'm not in charge of this. Like, I don't exactly. like that I'm not, you know, yeah, right. like, and that I'm not running the show. That's a really hard exactly. thing. Exactly. Or I want fill in the blank and then to have no judgment that I want that, even though there's a part of me that knows that's impossible. I will never look like I did when I was a teenager. That Those days are over. You know, I'm not going to feel like that. I'm not going to look like that. Totally. But we live in a culture that sort of tells us that we could look like that. That's Absolutely. like the hidden message is that you can live forever. Really good looking. <laughs> Always. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I think um, that is like... Well, the whole the whole idea, the fantasies that I that I do think our culture yes. runs on, um, sort of our Western uh, European American culture, anyway, that runs on the idea that if you get this, be it um, the quote unquote perfect body, the perfect partner, the perfect kids, the perfect house, the perfect job, the perfect, there's always this fantasy of like the golden calf that then you will feel like this. Yeah. And um, then you'll be happy. Then you'll be happy. Yeah. And that, I think, um, almost almost as soon as, goodness gracious, we're like out here in the world, even as little kiddos, we realize that's not true. And that is a very maddening, frustrating realization. <laughs> Especially because it looks like everybody else has that idea. And are okay with it. Yeah. And you're like the one person who knows that the emperor doesn't have any clothes and it's so lonely. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think too, um, for me, uh, and I imagine probably for most people, because I'm just a mere little person, human being, um, that even when, and I know Janine Roth talks about this too, like a lot of us in, in body awareness culture talk about that even if our bodies change in the way we want them to for some reason or another or something goes the way we want it to we get our dream job or have an amazing relationship we still get yucky dark difficult frightening feelings or the shit still hits the fan in another way and yeah. we still have to manage We're that still that's human. really hard yeah such a bummer yeah yeah <laughs> really 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 hard yeah right and to have compassion for yourself even though you got the great job and you have a great partner 
And you're still kind of. And you still don't Aww. feel great. <laughs> I know. I still have to make my own lunch. Yeah. Yeah, totally. exactly. Totally. And yeah. to do all this as much as possible without any sort of judgment or blame or just sort of like, isn't that interesting? I still think this. Wow. That's an old thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or I have this. I'm doing exactly what I want, and I still feel like shit. Right. (laughs) Or I still don't feel good. So I'm still never going to be okay. And no, that is okay. It is okay to feel every feeling you have. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it's very sort of discombobulating, and uh, I think probably that's a core reality for humans that when and maybe that increases the chase right increases our desires to go for things even when they don't give us what we want because there's that fantasy that it will just to be yeah be with ourselves and our own feelings and not freak out about that it's really hard work it's yeah so and to just be accepting of this is what it feels like today and in this very moment but I don't know what it's going to be like tomorrow. You know, maybe something will feel different tomorrow. But for right now, this is the body I have. This is the home I have. This is the partner I have. This is the work I have. This is what is right now is where I am. And to kind of ground ourselves in that. Definitely. And I think, uh, well, when you were talking about this is what I have right now, what came to my mind is just how that belief that we can, that there is a fix, I think is is tough to let go of. Like it's tough to let go of. It's tough to let go of that like, oh, blank is not going to give me blank. And like to be like, oh, yeah, Such a good point, Helen. Like to let go of that, that ideal, you know, but we feel like all will be lost if we if we let go of that. Then we'll yeah. just be laying on if the we street. Stop I don't chasing. know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I think. I think I'll yeah. just run willy nilly through the streets naked or something. I don't. Yeah. But that's not true. I have you know studies have shown that I'm a responsible person and will still pay my taxes and put gas in my car and take care of my dog and. I'll still be okay, even if I don't have any judgment against me or against somebody else. I'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, because there's, I do think it's true that we think that if I don't keep trying to lose that, you know, very, it feels very, you know, kind of sexy, almost like so fast, fantastical, you know. Um, the idea, the dream-like version of my body, like if I if I lose that twenty pounds, or if I give up, lose it, that idea of losing that I'm just lazy and bad, and yeah. instead of like, oh, I'm just the way I am is enough. And right, right, yeah, is enough. And we tell that to our children. You know, I know I told that to my child, and I've told that to my grandchildren, and I'll tell that to anybody. But to believe that for myself was really a long time coming, you know. So I wonder before we're done um, about, so the hope for the future, you know, in a way, 
So if you were to think of some young woman out in the world like you when you were that age and didn't know that how you could get out of this sorrow that you were in about yourself or your body or your food or whatever it was that was going on for you, what would you tell her if you could somehow reach into, you know, these bedrooms of these young girls to go, wait, things will change? What yeah, would you like to yeah. tell her as a like a hopeful thought, you know? Yeah. Well, one of the things that comes to my mind is that that there are moments of change, I think, that are becoming like brighter and more hopeful. Like I feel like our culture is becoming more aware and kinder to the spectrum of sexuality and the spectrum of body size. And so that at least there's glimpses of stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. And there certainly was less of that when I was a kid. Um, however, I do feel like um, the goal and or kind of the practice of, of making that leap of faith that you're worth it. And I do, I do practice with um, basically with clients about act as if, like when Laura Lee and I worked um, together with groups, I would talk about how sometimes I felt like I needed a bracelet. And instead of the bracelet saying, what would Jesus do, which is a lot of people had a few years ago, mine would say something like, what would Suzanne say? And Suzanne uh, is a very, very best friend of mine. And so she would never treat me unkindly or with um, with the, the meanness that I have treated myself or thought about myself as. And she mm -hmm. would check in with me anger, in a loving way. Right. Yeah. And so I like to say that a lot. Yeah. Like, what, what, what would your, you know, best friend say? Or exactly. that teacher that you really like who's kind to you? Right. How would they treat you right now? Right. And we forget that. We forget that there's other, you know, voices other than the mean, critical voice that's trying to keep us in line. And really, I think one of the reasons why is it's trying to protect us. But a lot of times we don't need that protection. We got this. We can love ourselves. And things won't fall apart. They'll actually be better. Well, exactly, Lorley. I love what you said about that it's trying to protect us because I do a lot. I like to circle back and slow down a client or myself um, in a difficult situation or a difficult moment. Say, slow down, slow down. Let's look at the intention because I yeah. do really believe that we all, all of us, everybody has positive intention to even the actions that are unkind to ourselves or others that there's a positive intention. In other words, yeah. we want to feel better. Right. That might be the positive intention. We want to be loved. That might be another positive intention. We want things to change. That might be another positive intention. Or stay the same. Or stay the same. Right. Or things not to change exactly. Right. Um, or that we're just trying to avoid a feeling. That's not a bad intention. That's just us trying to protect ourselves right, right? and so um i i really do a lot of that kind of work okay so there's a positive intention perhaps our actions aren't aren't 
matching with the positive intention, what's another thing we could do that might be, might get us there or might be more helpful or might be kinder to ourselves? Right, right. Well, this has been so great to have you here and talking about this. It's such a, we just don't talk about this in the world. We don't see it on the news. You know, nobody's going, how do you get through your day without judging yourself (laughs) horribly all day long? We just don't do that, you know? So it's so nice to be able to have this conversation and, you know, put this out in the world that it actually is doable. And here's two of us in the world that have done this and not perfectly at all and <laughs> kind of fall off the the non-judgmental bandwagon every once in a while, but we bring ourselves back to it. So thank you for coming. Thank, thank you, you for being Lori. here. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.